0: If you've ever wanted to create the life you've wanted through financial independence, you're going to love this upcoming episode with Mr. Nelson Camp.
1: Let's go. Welcome to the Russell Westcott podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams.
0: Hey gang, how's it going? Russell Westcott here. I, have uh, I think I think I think I've been starting each of these episodes the same way and it's almost feeling like Groundhog Day and maybe for those of you if you're listening to all the episodes you're going Russ we've heard this before you're yeah, we know you're having a wonderful day you've had a couple too many cups of coffee you're having a fantastic opportunities on the go and everything's just so bright and rosy you know Russ there's a lot of trouble going on in this world. There's lots of uh, things that are happening out out there. It's quite scary out there, Russ. So how come you're always so upbeat and cheery? Well, you know what? I'm choosing to. And I hope you are having that opportunity in your life too, as well, to choose to um, to be happy, choose to deliver positivity, choose to inspire, encourage, and come from a place of love. It's my core intention. Remember, it's how I hand off every one of my podcast episodes is based upon, you know, inspiration, encouragement, and coming from a place of love. That is what I strive to that's how I hold myself accountable on each and every day on this wonderful, beautiful planet, if I've had a good day or not. And so far of the recording of this one, um, up to, the, you know, this day so far in when I'm just stepping into the studio to record this, I'm having a wonderful day. It's out here. Uh, okay, so I'm going to keep this one tight. Uh you know, and I always said this many times, but I truly am this as well. I was going back over the last couple episodes and gee, some of them are getting into the two plus hour range and, and stuff like that. I have a lot to share. I have a lot to teach. I have a lot of things I do and I usually tack that into either an opening or a closing. Um, but what I'm going to maybe start doing is just doing solo episodes where I'll take that 20 minutes of fire, some real talk that I was going to share with you all and and maybe i will just have its own standalone episode. So it doesn't, you know, dilute or it doesn't uh, overwhelm you with too many messages in one podcast episode. I don't know if you can ever, can you ever over deliver on, on like providing too much? Maybe you could. Uh, I think the the providing of too much maybe is if you give too many things in a, um, in a format that somebody can't execute against it. So maybe tighter, fewer things but more important about the execution and doing something with it. Okay, so I'm going to keep this intro and outro very tight for this one. I had a wonderful opportunity to connect with a uh, person who's becoming a wonderful friend, a wonderful resource, and a wonderful ally. And somebody who's just got my six, you know, got my back. And he's just that kind of a guy. And I I got to know him through another mutual friend of mine. And we um, belong to a a mastermind group. And we meet on, used to be Thursdays and now it's Wednesday mornings. And (laughs) when I have to get up and do this one, it's it's at four o'clock in the morning for me. And you know what? It's interesting though, and I'm usually up around five anyway. So it's not that big of a pivot for me as well. But it sure, you know... When I'm telling Crane, I go, oh, it's like eight o'clock. It's time for bed. She goes, it's so early. Yeah, but I've been up since four. <laughs> okay. Or I got to get up for tomorrow. So I got to get up in a few hours. So anyways. Nelson Camp and I had a wonderful opportunity and I think I do believe, I just saw on the, the book of faces that Nelson is off in the beautiful island of Maui over, speaking of masterminds, over there with another mastermind. So Nelson, if you do listen to this while you're over there, mahalo and uh, all that wonderful stuff and, you know, Mama's Fish House. You know, if any of you ever want a recommendation for one of the best meals you can have, Mama's Fish House or before they changed it, you know, maybe it's still okay now, but but uh, the apa'a is a wonderful restaurant. Yeah, say that twice again. Yeah, Humuhumu Nuku Nuku Apu'a. That's a restaurant at the uh, Grand Wailea. So, two wonderful restaurants. The other is uh, if any of you ever go over to the beautiful island of Maui, um, the Haile Miley General Store, uh, Bev Ganon, wonderful, wonderful um, uh, chef. And she, it's kind of a, a little out of the way thing. It's not as known as her other places, but uh, the Haile Miley General Store is fantastic. And I was in there going, I go, "Yeah, I did tell you I was going to keep this one tight and short. But we', we'll, let's get into it. So um, this one here, Nelson and I had a chance to connect. Um, outside of our our mastermind, and I, I didn't know a lot of the some of his backstory, which is wonderful. We told a lot of his backstory. We told a lot about how you know faith uh, shapes a lot of his um, uh, real estate investing. Uh, I think it was the first time I really had a good chance in connecting with somebody in um, from Winnipeg, and and we had a wonderful conversation about Winnipeg, and it opened my eyes that there are some wonderful opportunities in the Winnipeg market. Nelson walked me through a couple of the opportunities that he's doing. Now, this is not investment advice, by all means. Please do your homework and please do all your own research on this. But it looked like there were some fantastic opportunities. It reminded me an awful lot of, I think Manitoba, Saskatchewan and Alberta are the places places to invest in Canada. And there was an awful lot of similarities across the prairie provinces there as well. Um, But the main thing we really dove into was his brand new book that just came out lifestyle by design creating the life you've always wanted through financial independence now for some of you might be saying well that's not really a real estate topic yet obviously as nelson is a real estate investor it talked an awful lot about real estate investing so we dove a lot into a lot of the differences in cash flow passive versus active we talked about some of the his favorite lessons in the book some of the ones and some of the gotcha moments that you need to have in ju- doing this journey to financial independence now before we do a, a cut to the interview here. Um, Every one of you, if you are listening to this, you have probably some way, shape or form, you have the desire for freedom. You have the desire for financial independence in some way, shape or form. Some of you might already be there. Congratulations. Um, I was just on a, a webinar this past week hosted by my good friend, Erwin Zito. Erwin did a wonderful job of facilitating an amazing uh, conference call. And he asked the question is, why is everybody doing all this? And 95% of everybody in there is some kind of freedom, time freedom, financial freedom, location freedom, the word freedom. And the main thing really came out of it is having the option to do what you want, when you want, and having the resources to be able to give back and pour into others. So this book that Nelson has written, I think comes at a wonderful time. In, uh, in what everybody is looking for. So I highly encourage you to check out his book when you do listen to this. And we talk about, uh, and I think Nelson throws in a few little bonuses and goodies and a whole bunch of uh, extra things on top of it. But we we dive deep into the conversation. And, and honestly, I, I could have just talked the whole time about, about just Winnipeg and the opportunities there. But we did pivot over to his book and I wanted to just congratulate Nelson on his latest book that is just coming out okay gang. With all that being said, let's just cut right to it and please help me welcome to the podcast Mr. Nelson Camp Hey Nelson Camp, welcome to the show today. How are you doing my friend?
1: Russell, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on your show today. I'm honored that you invited me.
0: Oh, Nelson, you just stole the words out of my mouth. I was about to just say the exact same things. Thank you for the time. Um, You know, I know you're a busy guy, and I know you're you're you know you're going away in the next little while to some some big masterminds, and you're always out there coaching people and helping people, and you're you're a mover and a shaker in the real estate world. And, and I'll be honest, Nelson, you and I up until just recently, probably within the next last six months, I haven't had a chance to really get to know you. And, and I'll tell you, the more I learn about you and the more I hear you speak, the deeper the ocean gets. And uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation today.
1: So am I. Well, I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to be able to share with you today. I've always wanted to um, you know, take an opportunity to inspire and share and uh, know that you've got a great, great group of listeners on your show. And hopefully they can take some great value away and a few nuggets from what they hear today. Nice. So we get to hang out.
0: Right on. Well, so first of all, Nelson, um, some of your people or some of my listeners and watchers on my channel might not be 100% familiar with you, who you are, where you're from, and all that kind of wonderful stuff. One of the things, and I know you're a veteran on podcasts and a veteran on videos and stuff like that. And one of the things I always ask when people tell kind of a backstory about themselves and how they got into real estate, is there a story that you haven't shared before or a unique story, one that you haven't done on the many of the podcasts? Is there a unique story of your background that led you into this game of real estate investing?
1: You know, it's a—it's kind of a weird situation how it happened. I, I was born uh, in Churchill, Manitoba. And uh, that's, for those of you that have never been there or don't know about Churchill, it's a great place uh, for polar bears, very cold place, uh, and just a, a wonderful, beautiful part of Canada. And then I spent all my life, or most of my life is uh, in the prairies. And I always say I got into real estate by accident. It wasn't intentional. And that's what kind of made it really different for me. Um, My wife and I had uh, gotten married and she moved in with me after we got married. I owned my own home at the time. And uh, you know, we went through this process of her moving in and she moved in and she took my socks and my sock drawer and moved them all over to the side and then put her socks on her side. And I'm like, Whoa, I didn't know this was part of the plan here that I'm losing my sock drawer. And then next thing to go was my clothing out of the closet. And uh, she put all her clothes in the closet. Mine ended up in a box. So we quickly realized that we wanted to find our home. And so I'm driving down the street one day and I see a house for sale in the old Comfrey. So I say, okay, Comfrey, I stop, I knock on the door and the gentleman answers the door. He's like, what do you want? And I'm like, oh, I see your home's for sale. Do you mind if I take a look? And uh, so he he invites me to take a look. I go through his home. Oh, looks Okay. He invites me to come downstairs. I go downstairs. I see his friends down there. And he's like, yeah, it's kind of my buddy's area. And there's no less than 50 or 60 beer bottles down there that are empty. And he's playing video games. And he's like, well, yeah, he just he he lives down here. I'm like, your buddy lives in your house. He's like, yeah, this is his area. So he had his own little kitchenette and bathroom and bedroom. I thought, oh, what a neat idea. Have your buddy live in the basement. And then he says to me, would you like to see the upstairs? I'm like, oh, I never even realized we missed the upstairs. So he's like, well, put your shoes on. We'll go take a look upstairs. And I'm like, putting my shoes on to go upstairs? I had no idea where this was going at all. So we go out the house, up to the side door, and we go take a look upstairs. And he's got a couple of sisters living up there. And uh, he's like, well, yeah, they pay me rent. They live upstairs and pay rent. And my buddy pays rent and lives in the basement. So unintentionally, I put myself into a house hack situation where we, my wife and I moved into the main floor, we did some renovations upstairs and downstairs, made the home beautiful and realized we were living for free. And that was my first real estate experience in investing is that we realized we were living not only for free, but with a profit in that first home that we bought together. And then from there, it sort of became a hobby, uh, quickly overtook my income from my job and eventually became uh, something more professional and more intentional.
0: Wow. Wow. Cool. Woo-wee. When when was that first property? That in unintentional uh, house hack?
1: That would have been in two thousand and eight. We would have bought that first property.
0: Okay. So we're what you're twelve plus years into the into the game here, give or take. And we're recording this mm-hmm. in twenty twenty two. So hopefully my math was was correct. Now I understand it could you could were... be fourteen, but it's somewhere oh. around a dozen. So <laughs> see, and I was about to just make a point about you know, you you're you were a former school teacher. Is that not correct, Nelson?
1: That's right. Yes, before uh, going, I guess, full-time or part-time into real estate, yep. I was a teacher and enjoyed my career very much for 20 years in in public education.
0: Yeah, so I I, I got a failing grade on my first math exercise, didn't I, right? <laughs> so I have to, you know, make sure I have a, you know, my that's about as good as the jokes will get around here, by the way. There we go. Yeah. <laughs>
1: okay, so, you, so it was just by accident. Yep. And then, uh, you know, through through grace and and blood, sweat and tears and all the way along learning new things, uh became to be something that uh, became much more than just uh, by accident,
0: yeah, okay. Now, I have a interesting story about a sock drawer as well with with my wife and I as well. So you have a a, a sock drawer story. now, I know I know when I was Crane uh, and I were gonna were starting to get really serious., uh, my lovely wife, one year for Christmas, she underneath the tree, she wrapped it all up, and it was a present and all this kind of stuff. And inside of it was, she gave me the bottom drawer of the armoire that I could put my socks and underwear in when I was coming over to visit. And I'm going, holy moly, she gave me a drawer. So I knew it was serious at that time. Getting serious. (laughs) Getting really, really serious. Now, I'm pretty sure Corrine doesn't listen to this. She'd probably kill me if she, (laughs) but it was really fun. It was a fun Christmas present. and, And, and we knew it was getting serious that time. You know, I was like, the perennial bachelor the you know I I make the joke that I had uh, Peter Pan syndrome that I never wanted to grow up and then all of a sudden uh once I met my princess she I decided that I was about time to grow up right so
1: changes everything yep
0: (laughs) okay so that was 14 years ago of my math and uh and and so if we fast forward to today Nelson what are you investing in where are you investing in what does your portfolio look like today
1: Sure. So what we focused on primarily is small multifamily, um, but we have some medium sized buildings as well, but small multifamily has been the main focus of portfolio growth. Um, One unique way of approaching the real estate that we did from the beginning is uh, in some situations we did, you know, a famous burr maneuver and, and, and pulling out the equity. But what I've really enjoyed doing is having the flexibility of rather than burring a property, Uh, just going for the full HELOC on the entire amount each time. And going forward, I feel it gives a lot more control to the investor over cash flow management, because at that point you can choose, do you really want the money or not? And you can have access to the money without taking it all at the same time. It allows to maintain a strong equity position, but at the same time gives you the flexibility of having access to the cash whenever you need it without having to pay for it. And that's been really a signature move that has allowed uh, an enormous amount of flexibility flexibility along the way and uh, consistent access to cheap money all the time. and uh, it's just been something that from the beginning we did and all the way through as we go through the portfolio we know investors always need access to capital to be able to be you know easy have easy liquid and to be able to be flexible and nimble in in making creative opportunities happen and that's definitely been something that's helped us uh most recently we bought uh an entire condo building which was something new we negotiated with every one of the condo owners and managed to tie up the entire building Now the great part about this is uh, in the area where I live in Winnipeg, this condo building, we were able to remove all condo fees by controlling it. And in doing so, the building that was not very lucrative at the beginning becomes much more so lucrative by eliminating all of the condo fees and also applying to have um, the entire building put on one roll number, but still having individual condominiums which reduces the taxation, the property taxation, by almost 40%. Holy moly. So we've looked at some different creative opportunities to create a great deal in a situation where someone would look at something and kind of pass on it or, or not see the value and how that type of opportunity. And I mean, Russell, you know as well as I do, when you have strata title building like that, down the road, liquidity becomes much easier. Capital gains mitigation becomes much easier rather than one chunk. You have these little slices and full control over the entire condo corp.
0: Wow. Ooh, hang, uh, hang on a second, brother. Hang on. You're bringing some heat there already. There's there's an awful lot I have to unpack there already. And I, sorry. When fire comes, bombs always follow after that. So... um Okay, I hope you don't mind me so I had this thing of thinking in my head, I had this other question, next question, but it's that's what I love about these conversations is as soon as you said something and I'm sitting there going, "Oh man, my audience, we're going to have to unpack a few things here." If you Sure. So, I hope you don't mind me jumping in here for a second. Yes. Okay, I I we're going to come back to two things, Nelson. Number one is I want to come back to the, the top, the strategy that you dropped there. Just, oh, by the way, we, we just put HELOCs on everything. I want to talk about that. We're going to talk a little bit about your purchase strategy. Um, then we're also going to talk a little bit about um, the condominiumizing, buying a, an entire condo property, repatriating, bringing it back and, you know, buying out all the unit owners. We're going to talk more about that. But I I do want to... So, To complete the question, Um, your portfolio right now, if you don't mind, in just ballpark terms, how many transactions have you done over the past 14 years? And if you don't mind me asking, what are you kind of holding in properties right now?
1: Sure. So from a transaction perspective, I'd really have to count, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't think I've ever even counted, Russell, to see how many we're at. Uh, But our portfolio holdings now are just shy of 100 units personally owned. And then we have another 100 units just shy of 100 units that we're looking at in partnerships. So our goal was always to grow independently strength, have that strong core of personally owned properties, giving full control and uh, strong cash flow. And then after that, the plan was always to continue in partnerships thereafter in joint ventures to allow for more exponential growth.
0: Wow. So 100 personally owned, 100 partner owned give or take.
1: That's right.
0: And, and guys, uh, you know, there will be a day, one day in this game of real estate investing, you trust me on this and you trust Nelson as well, that you will not be able to remember all the transactions and somebody say, how many transactions, how many properties you've done? Well, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure anymore. It's just so many. I don't know if it's old age or if it's just that when there's so many of them, you can't, you can't remember them all. Right?
1: Uh, Maybe that's it. Um, you know what, at the end of the day, I like to look at the growth and the net worth side of the wealth rather than the amount of transactions that did take place. Um, and that's always been the game is to, to create uh, wealth and to help those around family, friends and create wealth with meaning.
0: Yep, perfect. So ballpark, um, what uh, in asset valuation do you, you estimate your portfolio is at the moment?
1: Uh, it would probably pretty close to about 17 million.
0: Okay. Fantastic. Uh, now you, you mentioned are all of these in the Winnipeg area or are you dive, are you invest elsewhere or where do you primarily invest?
1: So all of our personal holdings are within Winnipeg or a region of two and a half hours from that center. So that personal value, I guess the valuation for the personal portfolio is just north of 10 million. And then with the Additional properties, that'd probably be closer to about $19 million, and that's where we're going outside of our main region, uh, accessing the ability of others to control the property and more so bringing funds to be able to support that yeah. acquisition. Uh, but we're certainly looking actively right now in other opportunities. I think with the, world, the way the world has changed in the last couple of years, there's going to be an enormous amount of opportunity presenting itself, and we're trying to be poised in a way that we're ready for that.
0: Right, so primarily within a couple hours, within the Winnipeg area as well. That's right. Yeah, you know, i I spent uh I spent about uh, four years in Winnipeg, one six month period. Right. Oh, hang on a sec here. Oh, or or maybe it's more about. <laughs> I, I have lots of stories I could share about Winnipeg. Wonderful city, really. Um, it's 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 a small town, but it's actually quite a large center at the same time, and. Uh, so, so I, I do have a question for you. Uh, I haven't sure. had a, converse, a conversation or anybody on my podcast that is from investing in Manitoba or in the Winnipeg area. If I was to sit here and let's say we're just sitting over a cup of coffee and you were to give me the, the, the nickel tour about what's happening in the Winnipeg and area, what's going on in the real estate market there?
1: Well, Winnipeg has historically been um, an area where it's just stable. We have such a diversified economy here between healthcare, education, private sector, manufacturing. Uh, we we have uh, you know science and development, research and development. So because of our diversity here, you know, I remember even back when, in in the financial crisis, people looked around and they're like, what 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 happened here? There was really no downturn in Winnipeg. And it's just basically a slow and steady process. It's a continuous graph of just growing upwards. Um, You know, many would say it's boring, but Russell, boring is predictable. And boring is a great way to create wealth over long term. Um, Winnipeg is also located in an area where we are still in an area where there's lots of opportunity for growth in the market, uh, which is something that's really to the advantage of our, our, our area. Um, Not everywhere in major centers can you also have strong cash flow in acquisitions where in Manitoba, not only in Winnipeg, but in Manitoba, there are many pockets and regions where solid cash flow is a possibility. If that's the primary objective of, of portfolio growth. So yeah. I think there's lots of good things about Winnipeg. There's or and Manitoba, there's lots of pros and cons to every area. And a, you know, any wise investor wants to take a look at does this meet what I'm looking for in terms of an investment uh, region? And uh it's it's something that allows us to grow at a much faster rate because of the cost of, of getting into the market here is much lower than other regions.
0: Yeah. So slow and steady upward growth It didn't have the big doubling of values it's not flattening it's uh, it's you know steady eddy right steady eddy it
1: really is and a, yes. a you know we haven't seen that growth as you know as Montreal and Toronto there hasn't been 30% growth year over year for us uh, but it's been a consistent depending on the region 5 to 10% which is still exceptionally strong growth yep. uh, but I don't think we're going to see a downturn from that like other areas may
0: yeah, that's, I had a conversation with an investor the other day and they're saying, well, is that market going to, you know, I invest in Alberta and Edmonton and Edmonton's, I call it the steady eddy market as well. They say, well, is it going to drop like, you know, what's happening out in eastern Canada or in Vancouver? And I go, well, to be honest, it, it never really took a, du- it never really went up doubled value. It, since 2020, I think the number was like 17 or 18% growth over the last two years. So it, it, at best, it might be flat for a year at best um, mm-hmm. for meaning at best, meaning it's not going to d- decline significantly. And I would hazard a guess right. Winnipeg would be the same thing. Um, I'm going to share, I'm going to share a story with you, Winnipeg. So um, when I got transferred to Winnipeg, I was with Kraft Foods. I'll keep this one short. I will. It's, but it's a funny story. I, I was there and I was uh, transferred there. And before my possessions arrived, it was South, South. It would have been South Winnipeg on Pembina Highway down there. And I don't know, it's probably not there anymore, but I think there was a pub called the Sir Winston Churchill or something at that time. So I was there. It was in April. Hockey playoffs were on. Nothing of my possessions had arrived. I didn't even have a TV yet. And I go, well, I want to go watch some hockey. So I went over to the the pub over there to, geez, I got to walk in there and, you know, get a bite to eat and watch the hockey game. So I walk in, I'm walking in and I go, geez, there's awful lot of women in this bar I go geez this could be a very interesting interesting neighborhood if there's lots of women around this area so I'm sitting there and I go in there turn my back to thing and watching the hockey game and then all of a sudden the lights go down and the big DJ voice ladies for your first dancer of the evening (laughs) it was was ladies night and the the male strippers were coming out (laughs) <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, "Oh Oops. dear." <laughs> I'm going. I go. Do I leave or what? <laughs> so I said. So I sat there to go. Okay. Well, if I'm here, <laughs> so it, was a, a uh, it was a very interesting. It was a very interesting first night in in Winnipeg for me.
1: <laughs> well, hopefully, you still got to watch the game. I mean, that's the most important at this point.
0: <laughs> well, during during a break in the action, pardon the pun. I had to. I then left. <laughs> Not well, that there's that... not that there's anything wrong with that or anything it's just not my not my cup of tea.
1: <laughs> well next time you come to Winnipeg I'll be very happy to take you and tour around South Pembina. Yep. Unfortunately that particular location isn't there anymore, yep. but I'm sure we'll find another pub where we can enjoy together. Okay
0: good good. Woo. <laughs> All right so I <laughs> we are going to pivot into your new book here very shortly. But before we sure. do get into that I do want to uh, I open the door and you and you mentioned about the topic about that you put HELOCs on your properties after you've kind of repositioned it. So talk to me a, a little bit, and it could be in really general terms about your acquisition strategies, how you buy it. Do you then re- reposition? Then at the end, you put a, a HELOC on it. So maybe just share with the listeners a little bit about your acquisition strategies, maybe single family, and then we'll get into the the, the multifamily condo project that you talked about as well.
1: Sure, Russell. So to be perfectly honest with you, I don't own any single family uh, properties at all. All are small multifamily to medium-sized multifamily. Uh, along with a, a mobile oh, sorry, home park.
0: Sorry, my mistake. Um, what? What? That's um, okay. But let me. So, what do you consider small multifamily? What do you? What, what small
1: do you- multifamily, at least in the region we are, is three units. Okay. Uh, is kind of a magic number for us here in Manitoba because we have certain uh, rental regulations that apply to buildings greater than three units. So, those are very sought-after buildings that are right in that pocket of three units. So, okay. small multifamily. So, somebody us, might
0: call it a triplex, fourplex, right. stuff like that. So, okay, awesome. So, we're we're, we're speaking the same language still. So
1: Sure. Uh, so, you asked for an example. I can give you an example. We did a 10-unit building uh, a few years ago, and uh, it was funny. I negotiated that one on about for about four years until we were actually able to tie it up when the vendor came back to me and at that point the price had gone down so we were uh, the patients paid off in that situation but what we did is we we got that building did a full rehabilitation on the entire building small you know like micro streets, suites university students bachelors, small one bedrooms and uh, we were able to tie that one up for 485 so we had we got a really good price on that one 48500 per unit um, did the rehab for it. It was about 180000 that we spent on the property. And then we, re, we appraised it, obviously, on the other side, and we came back at $1.1 So in doing so, we're able to put a HELOC on the difference. And so I think they gave us up to an $800,000 maximum value on that building, 800 dollars and change, somewhere in there. I don't have the numbers right in front of me. Uh, But that gave us access to a good amount of capital to either draw back all of our initial investment, reposition it, keep it low for stronger cash flow, take it out for other acquisitions. So I really like that flexibility and that ability to not pay for the money if you don't need it. On a traditional refinance, you do get all the money back, obviously, on a refinance, but you're paying for it, right? right? And once it's paid down, it's kind of gone.
0: Yeah. Wow. This
1: is perpetual access to liquid capital and that's really what motivates me in being able to use that methodology rather than the traditional burr methodology
0: okay so so i'm I'm, as we have already established i'm slow on math so so i'm trying to keep up and and thank you for sharing that so in this example you bought it for 485 you put you put about you put about 185 into it right Yes. 185 so you're into it for 670
1: That's what I got.
0: Okay. Now, when you first acquired it, how was it purchased? Was it purchased with a mortgage? Was it purchased with investor capital? Was it purchased with your own personal money? How, how did you first acquire that property?
1: So that one, the bank liked it. We already had a pretty good track record with the bank. Uh, one of the things the bank didn't like is that there was a lot of vacancy in the building. And that for me presented opportunity. I created a great pitch to the bank that we already had a relationship with. They saw a track record of other projects that we'd done previously. And so they were ready to support us in the project. So they financed uh, 75% of the project along with 75% of the renovations off the top. So out of pocket really, which was just access out of another credit line was minimal investment for our, our initial work on the building. Uh, so it worked out really nice. We do finance it up front on the renovation. And then upon submitting the documentation to the bank, they, re- they, they issue the 75% of the value right away. Okay. So that in itself is a great way to allow us to both purchase it with a minimal amount of and, and a maximum amount of leverage with a minimal amount of actual liquid being put into the into the deal.
0: Okay. So you, you acquired it on essentially seventy-five percent loan to value plus also seventy-five percent of the construction costs at the same time. So let's call it five and five fifteen in change or five thirteen in change that you got a mortgage on it. And then um, how long did it take to kind of reposition all the, the units?
1: We did the full reno in about six to eight weeks.
0: Six to eight weeks. Wow.
1: Ten units. Ten units, but like I said, they were micro-suites, right? Many of them are studios, the size of probably your master bedroom. Uh, And, you know, students love that kind of space. You know, that 350, 400-square-foot space is great for students. They've got their own bathroom, their own kitchen, their own space. Uh, And it allows for affordable housing. We invest in neighborhoods that are very close to both universities and hospitals. And we tend to find great tenants by focusing on those regions.
0: Okay. Wow. So, okay, so... I'm trying to seriously keep up because your your, your brain is firing at a <laughs> like lightning speed, and I'm just trying to keep up. Okay, so 685 into it. Um, you said you got a valuation after it was said done. Was it 1.1 million? Was that correct?
1: 1.1 million. I'm just going to do the math here along with you of what uh, was then released,
0: and then you got 75 of that. One- of that
1: brings us to the 825. Oh, 820 for the full value of the heat of the uh, HELOC. So the additional, the traditional part at the beginning remains a a mortgage. And then the additional amount is released as a HELOC.
0: Okay. Got it. So you would have had like the 513 you got would have just stayed as a mortgage. And then all the additional capital was a HELOC that you have access to. Correct. Okay. So, so in essence, in this scenario, there's like $300,000 of, of available equity that you can borrow against. That's right. Hang on. That delivers. That delivers a ball. Right?
1: <laughs> so that way we can use that money to reposition it at any given time. We can use it on a partnership with someone else who may yep. need some help in a short-term situation to avoid that erosion of equity that's not being used, right? The more and more as we see inflation grow, we have opportunity for flexibility. But again, if we want to leave the value there with the the smaller mortgage payment and the higher cash flow, if that happens to be what our motivation is during a period of time, during a year, it allows for a significant amount more planning on the taxation side as well.
0: Yeah, wow, brilliant. Um, Okay, so in ballpark numbers, that 10-unit property... Um, what kind of cash flow does something like that generate in, in your portfolio in the Winnipeg area?
1: Sure. In our last fiscal year, it was about $2,600 a month cash flow.
0: 20, so 260 bucks per unit. Uh, wow. That's fantastic. Right. And, and that's, that was
1: with a higher amount being pulled out. So I don't know right. what it would have been exactly if we didn't have any of the equity removed at that time. But at the end of last year, that's what the numbers were we were looking at at the end of
0: so, you year. took some capital out on the line of credit to redeploy into another asset, probably. That's right. Wow. You're a sharp guy there, Nelson, right?
1: As, as, you as, got to understand your numbers in in uh, real estate. Be able to move yeah. quickly, and that's something that's really helped us. But I mean, this one, Russell, wasn't quick. It was a four year deal. Yep. Relationships and continuing to work with the vendors until the timing was right.
0: Yep. Not just a pretty face. You got you got a little bit of chops behind behind you as well. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and and I would imagine that's kind of what you would consider kind of a bread and butter deal for you. Whether it's a threeplex, fourplex, ten, twelve, eighteen, that's kind of. If you see something pop up like that, Nelson's writing an offer potentially.
1: That's right. I actually wrote an offer on that one without even seeing it when I heard they were ready once again for an offer because they turned down two two or three previous offers. Yep. Uh, so at that point, I'm like, I don't need to see the building again. I, I know what kind of condition it was in. I'm assuming it's not in any better condition than when I saw it. Uh, let's just write the offer right now.
0: And and the lender you used on that was that kind of a commercial lender, a local local bank, big five. What kind of lender was that?
1: So that one was a, um, a credit union, a local credit union here, yep. and definitely on the commercial side.
0: Which which is the credit. what are the credit unions in the in the Winnipeg area? The big ones. Uh,
1: one of the big West, biggest ones would be Steinbach Credit Union, uh, but there's also Access Credit Union, which is uh, growing as well. They just did some great acquisitions. Uh, So we try to work with a whole bunch of different lenders, as many real estate investors do, just to kind of spread the portfolio around and have more relationships. Yep. And uh, that that's really worked for us.
0: Yeah, it, and it's it's there's crazy amount of capital in that whole Steinbach area around that whole thing. Mm-hmm. That whole that whole corridor from Brandon to Steinbach with Winnipeg and kind of in the in the middle is is crazy crazy amount of wealth going through through
1: some of those. There certainly is a lot of wealth. They call it the Manitoba Bible Belt. That whole area <laughs> along those uh, small towns. Uh, and uh, just really strong agriculture, and 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 uh, there's an enormous amount of capital that's there. That's yeah. for sure.
0: And and if you needed to get a good a vehicle, a new vehicle, Steinbach is the place where you go, isn't it?
1: You remember that? Yeah. That's what they say.
0: <laughs> okay, so I I do. We're gonna touch quickly on that condo unit you 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 talk because you opened the door, and I'm just I'm fascinated by deals. I love deals. I love just dissecting deals and uh, I sure. love dissecting that. And we are going to get to your book um, uh, bef- just to preface it. What's the the title of your latest book, Nelson? And when is it coming out if it's not out already?
1: So that one is uh, just launching as we're, we're uh, recording that. I'm not sure when your listeners are going to get a chance to listen to it, but it's called Lifestyle by Design and it's uh, achieving true wealth. Well, the whole book is concept is about whole wealth. And, and achieving that type type through financial independence. So it's called lifestyle by design. There, this, uh, and, uh, just a great opportunity that we had to kind of put something together. Um, and, uh, well, we'll get a chance to talk about it a little bit later. We're definitely really excited about this book.
0: We're definitely going to unpack this here in a second, but I'll tell you, though I'm sitting here and I was going through it. Um, thank you very much for sending me an advanced copy to go through it. And I was, I was quite uh, blown away by some of the, the heavy hitters that you had on the forwards and the, and the testimonials and stuff like that too. It's like you're, you're a very well connected, very well connected guy there, my friend.
1: Uh, well, you know, I have a good friend who once said in life, if you want to fly with the eagles, make sure you don't spend your time scratching with the turkeys. So. <laughs>
0: Uh, That's on. what I like
1: to do—is find those great influencers and good-hearted people. I uh, I, uh, I believe life is so short, and there's so many awesome people in the world to to be able to connect with. Yep. Uh, and you're an excellent example of that, Russell.
0: Well, I I was sleeping at the switch. I should have been giving you a, a little rim shot there of the uh, of the joke that came <laughs> through. Right, it's a lot better than the joke I tried to attempt to tell already. So, <laughs> okay, so. One more deal, and then we will get into the book because it is quite fascinating. I love the concept, and I want to hear some of the backstory about the writing of it, why you wrote it, and we're going to pick about three to five of the key lessons in it. We're going to unpack it. Okay, so the condo unit that you just... Sorry, let me reframe that. The condo building that you just bought... How many units was it? It was all strata titled. How was the, tell the little bit of the story about how you got each of the unit owners to agree to sell it to you. And then maybe we'll just walk through that story a little bit.
1: Sure. So that one is, um, it's a beautiful heritage style building in Winnipeg. Um, Beautiful brick face building. And um, we, we uh, tried for probably three years to acquire that one, working with the different, vendor, the different vendors. And that's a little bit of a challenge because you're not negotiating with just one individual. You're negotiating with seven different owners. They were all owned by different uh, owners. Uh, so again, it's relationships and timing. And uh, the timing wasn't necessarily right in that period. But through patience and keeping good relationships, we were able to eventually come to terms with all of the vendors. Um, Some of them not quite as reasonable as others, but I like to see things as a whole and I like the deal as a whole. So we're able to eventually come to terms uh, with that one. And that one was a great building. The units are all quite large and set up in a unique fashion. So I believe the smallest one is about 900 square feet and that's a one bedroom. And the largest one goes all the way up to 1400 square feet and that's a four bedroom. So, some of them are quite large. The bathrooms are neat the way they're set up. It's almost like a hotel style where you have the water closet where the toilet's located, and then you have the shower separate in another area. So, it's a great setup for, you know, a couple of nurses living together that may be working at the the, uh, hospital, university students that want a little bit more privacy, separate areas. Uh, and it's just a gorgeous building, west-facing with big sunrooms, uh, so people do like some of their urban gardening in there within their space because it's a very, very urban area, so there isn't a lot of land use there. And uh, that one we, we acquired, uh, we were able to get um, most of the building vacant on possession. We did a renovation to it and realized as I was doing my due diligence... That with the cost of the condo fees, it wasn't a very lucrative deal. But in removing those condo fees and in removing or reducing the taxation on the building, it does make it a lucrative deal and obviously a great opportunity for my children down the road or my children's children to liquidate that one by mitigating capital gains risks.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I would imagine you said in in Winnipeg, it probably there's favorable property taxes Versus having it as one property as opposed to seven units, seven condo strata titled units.
1: That's correct. So the the best part, Russell, is we were able to maintain the strata title status of the building. However, we rolled everything into one taxation roll. Okay. It's under Got one it. roll number now, which and that's the element that really reduces the taxation.
0: Right. Okay. What did you what did you pay? Was it a set price per unit? What, like ballpark number? What did you buy each of the units for? So
1: all the units um we purchased between eighty thousand and ninety five thousand.
0: Eighty, not eight hundred, right? Eighty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. That's right. Sorry, did I say eight hundred? No, no, I, I oh.
0: I'm so used to where I live out this way is like eight hundred thousand. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> so Eighty to ninety-five thousand. So,
1: that low price point of entry, right, is something that's really attractive in Manitoba, is yep. being able to still acquire for that price. So Uh, we put them all together. I think the final purchase price was about 610,000. Again, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but it was approximately 610,000. And uh, that one we did, I think it was close to a quarter million, probably 240,000 in renovations. So that was a beautiful building. We're still in the process of finalizing all the financing, putting the financing in place for the other side. But we intend to do the same methodology as as the first one. This one as well was just uh, reappraised uh, at the value of 1.1 million as well.
0: Wow! Even so, so
1: this one will be a, a great building. And again, we'll, we're we're focusing and trying to work with the bank on the HELOC strategy to be able to either pull the money out and use it, or leave it leave that equity park there for when we do want to draw on it.
0: Okay. So, including renovation in ballpark numbers, you're into it for 850 and change for seven units. Now guys, that's 850 for 7 units. That's not 850 for one townhome. <laughs> right? If you're if you're out in Toronto or Vancouver saying, "Yeah, 800,000 for a townhome." Yeah, that's pretty good. Right? So this is 7 units, okay? That's now, right. those 7 units when fully rented and fully optimized rent, what uh what kind mm-hmm. of what kind of uh gross rentals are you getting for that?
1: Great question. So our smallest unit, the one-bedroom, is renting for ten forty nine, and the client pays all the utilities except water. The wow. most expensive unit, the four-bedroom, is $14.99, and once again, the tenants pay for their own heat, they pay for their own electricity, and the condo or the building owner... Which is us provides the water to the clients.
0: Right. So if we were just to saw something off at say twelve hundred kind of a happy medium in between, you're getting eight, eighty four hundred, eighty five hundred dollars as a gross rental on that.
1: Yeah, I think we're close to just over nine thousand okay. when we factor in the parking and the uh, the coin op laundry projections.
0: Nine K on a property you're into for eight fifty. And it's now appraised at one point one, so there's two hundred fifty thousand dollars of available credit there. That's right. Who Nelson? Man, uh, everybody's listening to this, going, "Um, what's Nelson's uh, email address so I can take a look <laughs> more at 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 uh, at some some opportunities out that way." So, so this might be a good time, Nelson, if you don't mind, can you drop a good place? Where's the best place for somebody to get a hold of you if they're interested in taking sure. a look at Winnipeg?
1: If anybody would like to reach out, uh, they can find me on my website, nelsoncamp.ca, or I'm pretty active on social media platforms, mostly on Instagram and Facebook. Um, And if you're in Winnipeg, let me know. I'd love to get together and have a coffee. Uh, It's a great town, and I love meeting new people.
0: Nice. Well, there you go, my friend. So, all right. So, I I did promise we're going to get to your book, but but honest to goodness, Nelson, I think... um, I'm already sensing that there's going to be another conversation that we're going to be having here too. Because honestly, we could probably just talk deals until the, the cows came home. And I do want to correct one thing here very quickly. Because I would imagine everybody from Manitoba is just really sitting there going, Russell, your, your geography is a little off. And you're talking about from Brandon over to Steinbach. I meant to say Portage-La Prairie to Steinbeck. That that corridor more than brandon's quite a ways away from winnipeg still is it not
1: yeah brandon's it's a great town too brandon's a great place to invest if anybody wants to invest there uh brandon i think about three hours away
0: yeah so it's not really that corridor it's kind of the portage portage to steinbeck is kind of that 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 corridor i was referring to hey gang we'll be right back to today's interview with nelson camp i sure hope you are enjoying it But our friends from Streetwise Mortgages are here to help you with some strategies to help deal with some cash flow pressures. Take it away, Dahlia. Hi,
2: I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. And in today's episode, I would like to share with you some of the challenges and in some cases pain some clients are experiencing right now due to the fast pace of rate increases tougher mortgage qualifications, and softening valuations. Most importantly, I would like to share with you solutions. Here are some of the things myself and my team are currently observing. Today, we will talk about the erosion of cash flow on properties with adjustable rate mortgages, especially on properties where cash flow was thin to start with. I am not going to say hey, let's get over the rate increases. We are still in a low rate environment. And I am not going to say that real estate goes through cycles. Inflation is high and we should all have predicted increases at this pace. What I will say is that these challenges are real. The pains are there for some clients. And Stephen Hawkins says, intelligence is the ability to adapt to change. So let's talk about how we can adapt and what are some of the solutions that are available to you if you are experiencing cash flow pressures. Number one, restructuring your mortgage to reduce your monthly payment you will say, Dalia, how is it possible that I can get a lower monthly payment if the rates have gone up? Well, let me explain. It's not all about the rates. Let's say that you have an adjustable rate mortgage at 500,000 at prime minus 50 at a 30-year amortization. As it currently stands, your monthly payment would be at around $2,653. If you convert this mortgage to a home equity line of credit at prime plus half, which would be at 5.95 right now, the monthly payment would be $2,479. That is $179 less. If you take this route, you won't be paying down the principal on the mortgage every month, but you have the option to top up the payment if you want and you can also convert this line of credit back to a mortgage and pay down principal at some point down the road when your situation is better, where when your rents are up or when you have additional income that can support a higher payment. The same idea is achievable by switching the mortgage to a lender that offers a 40-year amortization. And yes, they do exist. There are lenders that offer a 40-year amortization, but they will charge higher interest rates. And as a result of the extended amortization, your monthly payment will still still be less. Now, I do not suggest these strategies unless there are no other solutions to dealing with the cash flow pressures because while your payment every month is lower, your cost of borrowing is going to be higher as a result of taking on a higher interest rate or an extended amortization. Having said that, we can always revisit where you are with your budget, your your finances at some point down the road and help you restructure again. But at least for now, it will help you ride the wave. Another solution to consider is to clear capacity somewhere else in your balance sheet, uh, where we can absorb the increase in monthly mortgage payments. So let's say you have an RSP or a car loan that is costing you every month out of your own pocket, $1,200. And let's say you have multiple rentals, and some of them are in a negative cash flow position right now, and they're costing you $600 a month to carry. If you can find solutions through adding rental income to the property to uh help the numbers, great, but if you can't and you want to keep this property, what we can do is we can extract equity from any property, okay, to pay off the car loan or the RSP loan or both or some other expensive debt on your balance sheet so that your monthly payments on these loans are reduced dramatically from the $1,200 per month to something much smaller, and this will ease up some of that cash flow pressure on your rental portfolio. If you are experiencing pressure on your cash flow right now and you would like to explore options to ease up that pressure, reach out to myself and my team at info at streetwisemortgages.com, and we would be happy to guide you and help you ride this way. I will leave you with this quote from Max McCowan, which says all failure is failure to adapt. All success is successful adaptation. Myself and my team are here to help you adapt to this new environment that you're in and help you prosper.
0: All right. Mm. Um, your book, my friend. Um, yes. Why did you write it? What's, what was the, the premise behind it? And first of all, I love the premise, Lifestyle by Design. Is it a real estate book? Is it a life book? Is it all of the above? Is it none of the above? Uh, why did you write this one, my friend?
1: Well, my one of my previous books that I wrote called uh, Money Tree, and that one has is uh, Money Tree, How Anyone Can Become a Millionaire Through Real Estate in Five Years. That one was really focused on the real estate aspect. Uh lifestyle by design is more so I wrote it from a place of I started seeing throughout the world, quite honest with you, Russell, that a lot of people were getting tied up in this idea that um, wealth is really just related to finance. And uh, although finance is something necessary, it's a tool in life that we use to do things that we enjoy. You know, if you want to go take your family to Mexico and enjoy a week off, that takes finance, right? And so I'm certainly rec- I do recognize that, and, and financial independence does create another another level of that lifestyle. But the uh, book is really came from a place where, hey, I was a teacher for many years, and I love teaching, and this is way for me to reach more people is by writing a book and sharing some of the stories within the book and strategies. So it's kind of written from both perspectives. There's some real stories of real people that have had success designing their lifestyle, but also from a perspective of what are some actual practical strategies that the reader can use. Uh, And I just wanted to get away from this idea that wealth is only finances and get back to what I call whole wealth. And, uh, you know, that's related to wealth when we talk about health right? Many people put aside their health sometimes for business and don't realize that you're pretty rich in life when you have good health, right? When you're able to do all the things you want to do. Happiness, there's many people that make a million dollars a month that aren't happy, right? And there's so much value associated with happiness in life. Relationships, there's so much wealth associated with relationships in life. Um, time for me, which is personally the greatest resource, I believe, uh, there's being able to get together and hang out today, spend time together, you and I, or having a lunch with a friend or taking a day away from the office to go hang out with a spouse or children, that time. And all of these things, bringing them together, bring to what I call what is real wealth in life is a balance in all of these areas. So that's really what spurred me to write this book.
0: Yeah so it, it really is goes one step deeper to to fulfillment really fulfillment of 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 life and purpose and things like that and i think that's a, a very needed book that's in the a book that's out there like there's lots of let's call it i call it that there's an endless supply of how to's the endless supply mm. of the how-to book, how to invest in rent own how to buy a multifamily, how to condo convert, how to get financing, lots of that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it really does come down to the why. Like, why are we mm. doing this? And at the end of it, you can amass the giant portfolio and you look around and go, geez, that kind of sucked, <laughs> right? If you don't have the fulfillment at the same time, it just, it just well, what's the point, right? Mm. So, oh, awesome. So... Um, now, I have a couple chapters that I want to dive into here, if sure. you don't mind, or, or I'm going to ask a question here. And I know we never want to say which is our favorite chapter, right? But if you, were, if you were to sit there and go, what is a chapter that has a deep meaning to you that you would like to share with everybody here today?
1: Well, can I answer with two chapters? (laughs)
0: Look at you over-delivering. Yes, 100%. (laughs) Um,
1: I I wrote the book in a way where I thought that there was value and, you know, meat and potatoes and all of it. There is definitely the mindset portion that I feel is really important because everything starts with mindset. Um, But one area of the book that I feel hopefully is a real take home for some individuals is recognizing the value of diversifying the streams of income in life and recognizing that there has to be a a relatively fair combination of both passive and active for true financial independence. And and what I believe is a a wealth fulfillment to be able to have all of these other things in life. Um, There are many people in life that are very rich and they have no wealth. And and I wanna really make a distinction uh, between those two. And I do in the book, And, uh, you know, through different stories, especially in the active income and the passive income sections, we look at real strategic methodology of, okay, you know, everybody wants passive income. But how do I do that? What are some different ways to get passive income and to make income as passive as possible? And just for any listeners that are listening that aren't really familiar with that definition, um, active income would be something where you're trading your time for money. And passive income, as, as I define it, is when you have the money coming in while you sleep. You're really, you know, whether you get up and you walk the dog or you get up and you go click away at the computer, it doesn't change anything. That same amount of or relatively same amount of money is coming in one way or another. So there are some great examples of some stories in the active income portion. Um, And I think a lot of people start with like a side hustle, wrestle when they have a dream in life, and they want to, you know, test the waters and do something a little bit different. And that active income tells some stories of some people who did it through something like crypto, through people that did it through, um, there was this one young kid, if I can tell one story, because I really like this kid. And he came to our house. Well, he didn't even come to our house. I went to him. I was in my house coat at home. I think it was a Saturday morning and I heard this engine outside. And so I'm looking out the window and there's a a kid with his aerator. And I know where you live, the lawns are always beautiful. But where I live, we got to take really good care of our lawns. And an aerator simply just puts plugs of dirt out of the ground, allows more water penetration and and air penetration. And so I looked out the window. I'm like, you know, I should get my lawn done. So I go outside, I'm chasing him in my house coat, waving money at him to come and do it for cash. And he's like, sure. So he does my lawn, takes him about a half an hour. And he's, I'm like, how much you want? He's like, well, $60 is what I charge. So I give him the $60. And I'm like, good for you. Took you a half hour. So how many lawns do you do an hour usually? And he's like, well, I do two. And I'm like, so how much do you make in an hour? Here I am doing a financial plan with him of his business. He's like, well, I make, you know, I guess I make... About $120 an hour. I'm like, good for you. How many hours are you going to work today? He's like, well, I'm going to work till the sun goes down 10 hours. This kid was a hustler. And I'm like, so let me get this straight. You're going to make 120 bucks for 10 hours today. He's like, yeah. So he's taken home $1,200 in one day. He's going to come back and do it the next day. People are all outside in their house coats, waving their money because they want to make sure their lawn looks good too. His marketing was basically the engine of his, of his motor running. Anyhow, this kid, I encouraged him because I thought he was just sharp. And I said, I'm challenging you to put together a business plan and see if you can make this even bigger next year. So it didn't happen the next year. But the year after, he showed up with a trailer and had eight aerators on it and eight buddies from university. And he came back specifically to talk to me. And he went and dropped each of those guys off in a neighborhood, paying them $25 an hour. Well, he's making $125 an hour on each of those guys working. And uh, if anyone's interested in really the nitty gritty of the numbers, I'm a numbers guy. I love numbers. I broke it down in a table in the book to really give an idea of why his side hustle became something so important to him and how he made much more in a short period of time, a two-month period, than most people make in, in, in a year or even two years. Just because he was motivated to do it and try something a bit different. So that was a great success story in the active income uh, that, you know, will always stick with me because I have a fond place for that individual.
0: Wow. Woo-wee, hang on, my friend. Woo-wee, bring in the fire. <laughs> and, of course, the bomb gets ignited after the fire comes comes here. All right, so now, Nelson, I know, um, and I, I see this when, when I hear anybody who ever's talked about you is you're, you're, you're held in very high regard. Um, you're a wonderful coach, a wonderful teacher, a wonderful facilitator, a wonderful speaker, counselor, all the above. So with what you did with that young, that young man who did that. So if somebody came to you and they're sitting here going, okay, you know, I'm working for BC hydro and I'm going to use BC. Oh, let's go, let's go. Um, what is Manitoba's, uh, MTS, Let's go, is the MTS still out there?
1: It's Bell MTS now, but yes.
0: Okay, Bell MTS, Manitoba Telecom System, I believe. System. Yes. Okay, so somebody's working as a laborer for MTS and they're wanting to, you know, potentially make that pivot from active income into passive income. Do you have a process that you kind of walk people through of, of how you do that? Do you like, do you have, what's the secret sauce that you do? Now, I know it's a big question and a big onion, and we'd have to unpack it for a for better part of years in many respects. But what would you talk to somebody? We're having coffee, and I just kind of told you I'm looking to do, get out of my nine to five and get into, into an entrepreneurial venture. How do you kind of walk me through and start that process?
1: Great question. And as well, you know, you know this, Russell, there's many different ways to be successful in real estate. And that's one of the most awesome parts about it. There's so many different ways to create wealth and income through real estate. And there's so many ways that you can do within real estate of creating wealth and income. So what I would probably say to that individual is I'd probably try to narrow down with them. What's your magic number, right? What's your breakaway point? When you get to a place where you've got that critical mass where you're able to say, well, you know, if I leave right now from my job, my life won't change that much because I've got a similar amount of income coming in. So if someone were to say, just for example, let's say it was a young person, they didn't have any children, maybe no partner, and they have a lot of flexibility in life, their best option may be to start with either, I, I believe the two best ways to start in real estate, if you want to start fast and start strong, are either a live in flip or a house hack. In my opinion, those are the absolute two best ways to be able to, And now, you know, one's more capital heavy with you get the payoff on the other side. And the other one is more obviously heavy on the passive income and, and ease of lifestyle. But those, in my opinion, are the two easiest way, maybe not the two easiest, the two strongest ways to break into the real estate market. Right. The advantage, of course, of doing a live in flip, is you can live there for a period of time. You need to live somewhere, but not everybody can live through a renovation. And if you have the flexibility of being able to live through a renovation, maybe you're only using the bathroom sink once the kitchen while the kitchen's being done. You live there for a period of time and sell it. And if the intent is to enjoy it and live in it for a period of time, uh, we have an opportunity of not paying capital gains on that, if the intention is to live in it right? That has to be the true intention of the the opportunity. The other side, the house hack, what my wife and I did when we started out, we were living without a cost of any mortgage, which is obviously in most cases, other than taxes, the biggest line item on anyone's budget is going to be their home expense. So I think those two ways, in my opinion, are the strongest ways to break into the market.
0: Yeah. And so, so, Step one, if I'm to, to bookend this for everybody, step one is you 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 do kind of a, a why analysis, why you want to do it. And then more importantly, you do a numbers analysis on what is mm-hmm. the magic number. And then you reverse engineer a plan in order how to get there.
1: And uh, That's what I would do with someone probably if you're having coffee is figure it out. And if they say, well, let's just, you throw out a number there. They say, I need 3,000 a month to be able to just pay my required bills in life. Then they have an option if they want to flip it. I would just tell them, hey, so you need to make 36000 in one year on a flip or on multiple flips is what you would need to generate. Right. And then you can draw on that money little by little throughout the entire year. But you're trading that for 2,000 hours of your job.
0: Yep. Yeah. Now, what if you had
1: an extra 2,000 hours a year? What you, would you be able to do with that time?
0: Yep. That's amazing once you kind of get that number and then you kind of break it down like you just did. Like, honestly, if a person needed forty grand, um, 2 $20,000 flips, two $20,000 profit flips, one every six months, how many, how many offers do you have to do? How many properties do you have to look at? How many people do you have to talk to about raising the capital? All that kind of stuff. And it, when you break it down into that, those pragmatic steps, it gets not as daunting Like everybody sits there and they look at the top of Mount Everest as opposed to what's the next step? What's base camp? What's the next step after that? Where's the next summit to get to? And then once you start getting up there, um, the summit gets very, very likely once you've accomplished each of those steps along the way. Okay,
1: And one of the greatest things, Russell, to your point, is that when you get that first deal done, there's momentum that's built, Yep. right? Very few people do I know that have done a real estate deal and, you know, wow, that was great, made a profit, or we have a wise investment, everything went really well. I don't hear people often say, you know what, I'm done with real estate, that was a great experience, I'm never buying another property. Yep. It tends to be something that repeats itself through that success, yep. right? It's, it's uh, you know, I've heard people even refer to it almost as an addictive thing. They enjoyed it so much the first time, they want to, once again, have that successful business venture. Yep. So I think those are the really important things. Figure out what is your minimum breakaway? Why are you choosing real estate? What is the long game? Where where are you going to be in 10 years from now? Because you go into real estate. And if someone has a clear idea in their mind, and they break down the steps, as you say, you know, what's the most important next step to be able to get to my goal? It's going to happen. Yeah. Right. It's going to happen.
0: Is that exercise in your book now? I apologize. I have had not had enough time to go in depth into it. Is that kind of that exercise in your book to break that out?
1: There's actually I'm doing a giveaway with the launch of the book of some great documentation and tools that might help your listeners or the readers of the book, uh, including a blueprint strategy that outlines what is the blueprint to success that you're looking for right now. Okay. So if anybody's looking for some of those uh, takeaways, I'm offering all of these giveaways for free. If somebody buys the book, reach out to me on social media. I would be honored if you'd give me a five-star review uh, for the book on Amazon and uh, send me a screenshot. And I want to get make sure you get all of these giveaway tools that I have for you because they're going to help you in this dream planning and preparation of of whether it's related to real estate or it's related to some other type of dream and entrepreneurship and financial independence that you may have.
0: Uh, brilliant. Brilliant. And then once you kind of get that, that mojo going and that entrepreneurial spirit, I'm gonna share a quick story of a client of mine is so once he got his number and he's starting to work towards it, he 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 eventually he took a look at his business and goes, he goes, I have a goal of every dollar outgo I have of expenditure. I eventually want to have that into a a vertically integrated business operation. Like, for example, he sat there and he goes, the end of the year is bookkeeping and taxes and all this kind of stuff. He goes, so he he now has an accounting bookkeeping division that he now offers a service to other real estate investors. He was sitting there spending... Hundreds of thousands of dollars on contractors and, and renovators. Now he he's the general for all these kind of things, and he now does other people's projects. The next mm. thing he's looking at is going okay now property management. So he's he's slowly building out vertical verticals of every dollar of expense is going to be a dollar of income coming in, and then he offers that as a service to other investors at the same time. Brilliant. Too. So so there's. Like you said, there are a million ways to make a million dollars in real estate today, right?
1: There really are.
0: All right. Now, I could we could go deep into many different topics. Uh, um, I, I love every one of the chapters, and I read a good portion of it. But my favorite, uh, the one that I resonated with the most was chapter four, is the five F-words, Can you describe on on what those are? And that's the one that kind of just really landed really strongly for me right now. No, can you describe what the F words are and and what's the the importance of this?
1: Sure. So it's actually five F words. And if you want to add a sixth one, I've got a sixth one to add as a bonus today that wasn't in the book. Um, But uh, these are areas of life that I've found personally, if you keep them in order, and the order is important, Um, It allows for a good balance in life. It allows for a well-rounded individual to be able to grow in entrepreneurship and whole wealth as a person and not just get focused on, you know, any one thing that may happen to be that shiny object that I'm chasing right now. So the five F words kind of break down like this. The first one is faith. And when I say faith, this can be any type of background or spiritual belief that somebody has. And, you know, someone might say, you know, I don't need that. That's just fluff and I don't have time for that. Um, My question to that individual would be, well, where do you go when you get to the end of what you can do about a situation, a problem that you have, an issue that you've done everything humanly possible that you can invest in resolving that situation, um, you know, I, I, I kin it to my children, I raise them, I do the best of the job that I can, but then I got to send them out into the world. And that is outside of my scope of control at that point. And a spirituality is a place of peace, a place of, of, of uh, where someone can go to be able to reground and to be able to believe in something that's greater than them, whatever that might happen to be. And so that can be through meditation, it can be through prayer, it can be through rituals, uh, whatever that person's spiritual background or faith might be, is really where do you go when you're at the end of what a human can possibly do? And that place is a place where uh, it allows for that rest to be able to sleep at night knowing that even though I've done everything that I can, I know beyond that, good things happen in the universe and come to me. Uh, from from everything around me so faith I find is the number one we focus on keeping a strong faith fitness is the second one as we talk about health in the book you have to take care of your body you've only got one and you only have to talk to anyone who's very ill to realize that without that fitness and taking care you can't outsource your health right (laughs) you mean I can't can't get someone to go to the gym for you I
0: can't hire somebody to do my push-ups for me
1: You can hire someone to help you make them better, but at the end of the day, you're going to have to be the one that really grinds them out, right? No one else is going to do your sit-ups for you. Nobody else is going to, you know, get you up in the morning and take you to the gym or whatever it is. Your fitness is so important. And I think the more that we, you know, grow as a human species, we recognize that whole health, mental health, everything is all related to fitness. They're all connected together, So fitness is really important because if you can't be your best physically, it's hard to give your best to everybody else around you, right? So the third one is family, right? And family doesn't even necessarily need to be blood. It can be perhaps a spouse or children or parents or siblings. But family is really who we make it in life. Who do you celebrate with? Who wants to give you that High five in life when you have a win and they won't just say, oh, you know, someone's telling me a story and they're haughty about their success. Your real friends will want to high five you and give you a big hug and be happy with you when you succeed. And when you surround yourself with people that encourage you in your dreams, people that encourage you, who are you building your dreams for? You know, all of those elements are really important in growing that family friendship around you. There's another F word. If you don't want to just say family it can be friendship too. Um, the next one is finance, because that's an important F in life. We need to get that in, in order. Um, but you know what? Working on your partner is far cheaper than divorce. You know what I mean? Working with your partner, working on that family part comes first and finance is after that right? You work on finance. Everybody's got to eat. I got three boys at home. I know how much they enjoy eating. So the finance part is important. And finally, fun. You know, we've got a limited amount of days on this planet. None of us knows exactly how many days it is, but we live in such a beautiful place with so many amazing things that can be done and enjoyed, whether that's sitting outside in the cool of the day, reading a book. Or it's enjoying a beach or a walk in a park, maybe in a forest hiking, um, hang gliding, scuba diving, whatever it is that you enjoy in life, making time for that fun to happen. And so these are the, you know, the five F's. And the last one is freedom. That's the sixth bonus one. Enjoying the freedom that financial independence can bring in life kind of ties everything together. But keeping those five in balance is really important.
0: Yeah. And I, I think you, you you hit the nail on the head and you you actually dropped a a very interesting not uh, an interesting play on the words is you're you're living an amazing effing life. <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: There's the seventh F word. <laughs> there you
0: go. <laughs> and we're not going to use that word, but you can actually, you know, effing, right? Is is, is a wonderful. absolutely. Yeah. I,
1: you know what? Life is meant to be lived and enjoyed. You got one shot at this. There's yeah. no dress rehearsal. This is it. And well, I, uh, each of us has the opportunity, regardless of what happened yesterday, five days ago, 10 years ago. Today is what we've been given. That's why it's a gift and we call it the present. So we got to get out there yeah. and Carpe Diem sees the day.
0: Well, and, and I'm definitely not going to drop a couple. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Uh awesome my friend. Okay, so so I'm sleeping at the switch here, brother. You you're dropping the fire like crazy here and obviously when fire happens, another bomb gets it. There we
1: go.
0: Okay, uh I do want to open up a you know, I don't know if I'm opening up Pandora's box. I do want to open up a conversation here and it's it's how of the context you and I first kind of got introduced to each other is through a mastermind group that we both belong to of of uh, Christian entrepreneurs and Christian men, and we meet. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> an odd, godly time of morning, especially for me out in the West Coast. It's four in the morning, um, but um, you here's the, here's the thing I'm gonna say. One of your Fs that you talk about is faith, and uh, why do you think it's it's a difficult or most people don't talk enough about their their faith or a religion or their relationship with God or their God or whatever? Why do you think it's a it's a taboo conversation for most people?
1: That's a great question, Russell. And I, you know, I wouldn't want to speak for anyone else on why it's such a taboo subject, but I, I think a lot of people are, are in a position now in life where they want control and, and you know, they seek to be able to identify everything as classable and there's just so many things that we can't classify as human beings that are too supernatural and incredible uh, to have been happenstance. Uh, I remember one building I bought, I was actually, it was uh, I was still working as a guidance counselor and I had a little bit of a rough morning hearing some tough stories that some kids were going through. And I like to get out at lunch, go for a walk, you know. And so I was out in the day and I was just taking a breath, taking some deep breaths and enjoying the beautiful day. And for me, it was a time of meditation and prayer while I was walking. And I just think to myself, you know, it's time for us to find another acquisition. And uh, I was in in prayer. And all of a sudden I stop and I see this for sale sign on the lawn. I kid you not. It was one of those black and white garage sale for sale signs. that, And somebody had scribbled a phone number and put some plastic wrap around it to protect it from the rain and everything. And I'm like, no, this, this can't be coincidence. Coincidence doesn't work this way. And so I just pulled it right out of the ground. I looked at the house. I'm like, hmm, two hydrometers, two mailboxes. This is a duplex. Knocked on the door. I said, I'd like to buy your house. I haven't even seen it yet. And they're like, well, we want 250 for it. I'm like, would you take 200? They said, no. I said, what would you take? They said 225. I said, okay, let's write the offer right now. And that was it. I, of course, I went through the house with them and wrote the offer in that moment, but it's through things like that in my life that I realized that is too unreal to be a coincidence. And that there's a greater power around me that is drawing good things to me as I open myself up to the world to bring good things to others. And so I... I can't, to answer your question, I don't know why it's a taboo subject for many people. It's maybe a control thing, but I'm willing to give up control in certain areas of my life to things, to know that there are great. there's great abundance available. And, and some people call it energy, some people call it the universe, some people call it God, creator. I know there's an immense amount of things going on that are beyond what we can understand, and and that's hard i think to digest sometimes being able to say yeah there's stuff going on that i'm not aware of that 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 can be intimidating yeah. right and that may be part of why people don't want to go into that area of life but speaking from my perspective there's just been too many things like that example russell that have taken place that just make it undeniably to me that there are things that go beyond what i'm able to control
0: well i guess you've uh, you've Just recontextualized a burning bush into a burning for house for uh, for sale by owner sign. huh
1: (laughs) that one was like that. Where's the the bum bum?
0: Yeah, sorry. Oh, hang on. I (laughs) I actually did tell a joke, didn't I? Sorry.
1: There it is. (laughs) And that building was a great one. We ended up actually had it was an empty basement, nothing being done with it. Side entrance, boom. We put in a third legal suite. It became a triplex and a great cash producer, fifteen hundred dollars a month. So the abundance transferred from supernatural to tangible and then got even more improved through what I was able to do and see in the final result. Yep. So again, it's just one example, one house. Um, and, and and yes, it does have a monetary value. But for me, it has more than just a monetary value. It has a very significant value because it was something that I believe was gifted upon me um, from abundance.
0: Yep. 100%. Now, and I know it may be one of those topics that not everybody wants to have a conversation about, but the more I, I dive into my spiritual side and spirituality side, the more I'm seeing that people do have a spiritual side that they're exploring and uh I know for a fact, you're always willing and would love to have conversations with people if they do want to have that conversation as as a as a guide and uh somebody out there as well and I know you've done lots of missionary work and you've done lots of work like that as well um do you have uh you know a, a way for people if they would like to dive further into a conversation with you like what would be some next steps that you would help if somebody was looking to um, expand on their spiritual and their faith side of things?
1: Sure. So, I mean, I'm, I'm by far not, you know, a spiritual guide or, or uh, I haven't got everything figured out in my life. I'm trying to do it every day, just like everybody is. Uh, But if someone did want to reach out to me, you're, you're more than welcome to do so. Uh, I do try to get back to as many people as quickly as I can, Uh, and, uh, you know, we have such a short, limited amount of time on this earth that it's important to be able to reach out when you feel something. I always say people feel a calling when, when they feel that there's something calling them, that tends to be a time when, when they're ready to maybe see what, what else is out there that I haven't figured out yet in terms of my spirituality. And, um, you know, like I said, I'll never pretend that I've got everything figured out in life. I'm certainly not there. It's a journey, right? This is a marathon. We're all on it together, helping one another and uh, if I can plant a seed somewhere and help somebody out, I'm very happy to do so.
0: Well, I'll, I'll tell you, um, you're for somebody who does something every day. I think you're being really humble and modest about that. That somebody who practices his faith quite, um, you know, pardon the pun, religiously is uh, you do have probably more depth and knowledge than you're, you're you're leading on and sharing with people here as well. So so. Um, could be another another conversation that for us to have, but I did I did want to open that door, like just just open it uh, for for many people that are probably watching or listening, they might be just saying, yeah, we don't have enough of these conversations about our faith and our spiritual side of things, and and um, and I think we need to talk about it a little bit more, at least at least be open to talk about it as opposed to just shut it down. I think most people think about when they think about religion as they think about when they were a kid going to church or they think. About the person on the corner of the the thing with the, the the sandwich boards and preaching the gospel and all that kind of stuff. It, it, it's so much more than just just that. So,
1: anyways. yeah, I think that's kind of the package of the, the the weirdness that kind of comes across or that cliche idea, uh, and and that may be one of the things as you say there, Russell. That kind of makes people shy away from talking about it. And if someone's not ready to talk about it, it's okay to ask questions too. Yep. Instead of talk about it. Ask people questions, and 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 uh, see see what's right for you. And uh, I know you know Russell's a, a you're an incredibly high a man, a man of high integrity, and uh, you know I, I enjoy spending time with you because you are a man of incredible not only because but in, in addition to that that you are a high a man of high integrity, and uh, you know if there are people that want to ask questions, usually that calling in life comes because it's the right time. Timing is always so important for everybody and uh, asking questions is important too.
0: Yeah, I just find it just fascinating the more I learn and the more I hear about it and the more things I hear about just it's just it's a never it's a it's a relation it's another relationship with a higher power with a higher being. And I think it's just fascinating. And <laughs> i have seen there in our our mastermind group. A couple times we've gone quite deep into some things. When we started, when they started talking about talking in tongues and stuff like that, I'm going, "Oh, total, we ain't in Kansas anymore."
1: <laughs> New stuff, yeah. <laughs>
0: but it's just a different. It's it's fascinating is the best way I can describe it.
1: And um, it certainly is. Yep.
0: Yeah. All right. So so Nelson, what I wanted to do from here is I wanted to. Um, you know we're gonna start wrapping up, but I do see this being a, another conversation. Would you be open for another conversation down the road, my friend?
1: Absolutely. I haven't even told you about the Coyote House yet. I'm looking forward to telling that story. Oh. So I hope we get another conversation. Well,
0: see, you just you you're. I know you're a professional speaker because you just did a professional speaker professional move. Is keep them wanting more, right? Keep them wanting more, and dropping a bomb at the end that you have to get invited back again, right?
1: That's the idea.
0: All right. Uh, Before we, I have one final question I want to leave with you here shortly. But one more time, can you just drop uh, the best place that people can get a hold of you if they want to have a conversation and where can they pick up your book and where can they get all those bonuses that you talked about?
1: Sure. So my website is nelsoncamp.ca. If you'd like to get my book, it's available on Amazon. I have several books on Amazon, but search Lifestyle by Design and Nelson Camp. You'll be able to find it on Amazon. Uh, I'd love it if if anybody felt the value in the book. They'd be willing to give me a five-star review on the book because it helps me reach more people with the message in the book. That would be really appreciated. And in turn, it helps more people make a difference in their life and design the lifestyle that they want. If someone does wanna get the bonuses, send me a screenshot of that through social media or through email at my website. And uh, I will be happy to get you all of those documents, uh, which include things from processing the proper time management, the blueprint to success in life. Um, We're talking about your 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 budget budgeting your business we talk about great tax saving tips uh you know we talked earlier russell about how you can flip houses let's say two in a year and forty thousand, but we didn't talk about tax implications and the best way to do that so that you can ensure that you're doing it in an efficient fashion wow. so there's lots of stuff to unpack in the book lots of extra goodies that i want to make sure that i get to, in the hands of your listeners And there's even a place on the website. um, And if you get in touch with me, I'm going to send you a link where you can take a picture and tell us your story about how you're designing, even if you haven't gotten there yet, but you're in the process of designing the lifestyle you want. I want to hear about it. I want to share your story because your story is going to inspire other people. Yep. so that's why we put that together so that that can be shared.
0: Well, I wish you all the best on your book of there. I think this is a powerful message that people need to really lean into and I, I, before I do ask the last question, i do want to I do want to offer you something. I want to offer you of um I've just been even though we haven't known each other for a long time in the in you've made in a short period of time, I've made a very deep and profound impact on my life on people's lives that are part of the mass, same mastermind that we're part of you literally just came in and it was just like wow who is this guy he's just so deep and so amazing it's just you make it you make an instant impact on people and it just comes from your your desire to be servant leader to give to help and inspire others so I just want to acknowledge how you show up in this world and and, uh, you're doing an amazing job really of how you show up.
1: Thanks. So I really appreciate you saying those things. And that's part of what I've always felt in my faith and my vision is, is impacting people, reaching more people, uh, sharing the message and, and, and encouraging people in their success. So thank you so much for saying that.
0: Yeah. Now it's for one of the last questions. And I promise this will be the last question is, um, you talk about helping others, inspiring others, and so let's let's just paint the picture. You know, we've we've had a couple times where we talked about a cup of coffee over at Starbucks, or or maybe a pint of beer, or or something. Let's say you're having a conversation with somebody that's there, and they're just feeling a little bit stuck, right? They just need some maybe some insp- inspiration, or maybe just some help to take the next step forward. What would be some inspiring parting words you would leave at that person to help them take that next step?
1: Well, I think the most important thing to recognize in life is that the easiest way to get lost is to have no idea where you're going. So I would say, let's go back to the roadmap of where you want to be. I wrote, uh, I was an author in another book called From Broke to Success, how anyone can get from where they are to where they want to be in life and business. And it talks about that concept of w- as well as figuring out where are you right now and where do you want to go? And then, as you said a little bit earlier, let's articulate what are the next steps. And even if you don't see the steps in the next two, three, five days for today, what is the next step, actionable step? Uh, and I'll give a I give a concrete example. Several years ago, um, I just fell in love with um, Central American and, and South American culture, the Spanish language, the people. Um, I spent some time in Mexico as a missionary at one point. And, uh, you know, I told myself, I said, I want to learn Spanish. And I know it can be done. Many people have done it. So I said, what's my plan? what's the most important next step. So I downloaded a language app and then I started doing every single day, a 15 minute to one hour lesson. And I created a habit out of it. So if you're stuck, that's where I was. I was stuck. I wanted to learn the language. I have now gone through 1217 days straight without a break of doing a Spanish lesson. My friend, there is nothing in life that you can do for 1,217 days and not see some type of growth and improvement in it. Habits are so important. So I would work with that individual on what daily tasks they can do to get out of that rut. And they may not see it on day one. They may not see it on day two. But the promise I would want to make to that individual is a promise that if you keep consistently doing this, it will bear fruit eventually
0: wow woo-wee bringing the fire my friend so absolutely and obviously we can't end without uh, another bomb being dropped (laughs) 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 man there's so much bombs going off around here and mic drop moments um you're, you're you're a true gem nelson true gem and um I know you uh, you have a, an audience and things like that. I, I honestly think you need a bigger audience, to be honest, um, because of the depth and the amount of materials and content and things that you can provide. I do want to have a conversation another time with you about how do you fit all this stuff in, like how do you, with all your properties and your portfolio and writing books and, you know, helping and coaching people and all this kind of stuff. How do you just become the productivity master? I think that might be our next conversation. See, I'm, I'm now doing a professional um, tease moment here as well. So, so I
1: see that. That's great.
0: Well, I think it's. I think we're going to leave it there um, thoroughly honored to get to know you my friend and I think this is just the beginning of a wonderful book launch that you're having with your book. This book will change some people's lives and if you lean into it and do the work within it I wish you nothing but all the success on bringing this book out into the marketplace and all the results that the people who read it will get from it.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Russell. Really appreciate you having me on the show.
0: All right, gang. Hope you have yourself a wonderful day. Bye for now, everybody. So, what did you think of today's conversation? Wasn't that a fun, fun conversation? And, and here's the thing: is, you know, as deep as we go into a lot of these discussions, I often wonder, I could, you know, I could unpeel the onion another ten layers deeper, and that's why I, I probably say in most of my conversations I have with people is this could turn into a multi-series multi, uh, a multi um, series conversation. Like, honest to goodness, we could have just talked the entire time about Winnipeg. We could have just dove deep into just one of his deals. We could have talked in depth into uh, how faith plays an amazing, how faith plays a role in his investing and in his life and, and everything he's done. We could have talked one chapter at a time and filled up an entire podcast just in one chapter at a time. So for you... After listening to this conversation, what was your favorite part? What what did you take away from this one? The one that I took away the most for me was the five F words that we talked about. They talked about the faith, family, fitness, finance, and fun, how he structures that. Now, I've heard that before. I believe I've heard it before. I don't think it's anything new, but just the way he framed it. And as a, a real estate investor, it just really resonated with me. And it really resonates with a lot of people that are out there. But more importantly, what was most more importantly to me than what was important to me is what was important to you. Did you take something away from this? Did you take something to implement? Did you take a strategy on how something you can action from here? Okay, so by all means, jot it down and do the work. Take the action. Now, speaking of actions, Um, If any of you are interested, we're just about to open up my flagship training program here very shortly. And it's only going to be open, I think it's going to be open for maybe a seven to 10 day window where you have an opportunity to to get involved. I'm just putting together my Q4 um, training and webinars and everything I'm going to be pouring into. I'm going to be pouring uh, all my time and energy for the next quarter into a group of people, into a group of people to help you bust through the biggest obstacles to help you take it to the next level. So if you're interested in learning all about that, I'm going to share a little bit in the upcoming couple podcasts about what it is. But I'm putting together an offer that honestly... I don't think anybody can refuse. I'm calling it the everything, including the kitchen sink offer. It, it truly is uh, probably the best offer I've ever put together to get into this flagship training program. And this truly will be the best opportunity for you to get into it because the program is going to be changing the price model. It's going to be a subscription-based model. The price is going to be going up. This will be the last chance you can get at a lifetime option, all kind of stuff like that. Now, more details are to follow. And if you want to have, uh, uh, you know, by the time, whenever you're listening, listening to this, there probably will be a link in the show notes uh, where you can probably dive in and hear a little bit more or see a little bit more about it. But I might hold off on the show notes, putting the link in. For maybe about a week until all the details of the offer are putting it like, honestly, goodness, the reason why it's not out now is every day I add something more to it. And I just keep adding more. I go, well, okay, but we have to bust this through. So let's add this to it. Oh, but now we need the RSP investing lending program. So okay, I'll add that to the program. But now we need some accountability and some coaching and some one on one time. Okay, I'll add some of that in there. So honest to goodness, every it truly is everything, including the kitchen sink. But stay tuned, those details are coming up. All right, gang, hope you enjoyed today's episode and we're just getting revved up. So many cool guests upcoming. I was just at a conference this past weekend and was just connecting with some amazing presenters and amazing speakers and I'm just getting them on the podcast and there's some amazing content and materials that are all coming out on the week's upcoming. But remember, in every interaction you have with another person, always Leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody.
1: Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.